my interest in looking at the history is not just because I think it's amazing that the Moss family left this in their legacy, but also if, as Kieran said, if this was indigenous land before and then it became privately owned, well, where were the indigenous people? There's something that I like to point out about public spaces, you all, which is even when something is beautiful and sacred, it can still be exclusive and exclude people. And that is what I call contradiction. And that can exist even right here, right now. If you really knew me. If you really knew me. If you really knew me. If you really knew me, you would know. Hey, who are you? Who, me? Yeah, you. It's It's Monday. Hello and welcome to If You Knew Me Mondays, a student-powered, Park Day-inspired podcast that builds belonging by sharing stories and perspectives from the margins of our school and community. Say what? My name is Sowell, and I'm a third grader in Devon's class, and I'm here with... Kieran. I am Oz. I'm Phoenix. I'm Oliver. I'm Lucy. I'm Luna. I'm Joey. I'm Lincoln. I'm Levi. I'm Steven. And I'm Ayla. This year in third grade, we've been studying how humans impacted different parts of Oakland. We're learning on how humans have, over time, changed the culture, the industry, and the physical land. Or in the words of our teachers. My name is Denise Montgomery, and I teach third grade at Park Day. We have been studying the land, thinking of it as more of a living, breathing, changing, moving object upon which humans have had an impact. So when kids are studying local areas, they're looking at what did that part of the land look like and what aspects did it have before it was touched by humans? And then how did humans change the land as time went on? Because we want kids to see their own power in what can shape land and what can shape people on that land. So we're having them research and study it from a lens of layering. Hi, my name is Devin Homie, and I teach third grade here at Park Day School. And one layer that we are trying to help the kids understand is that there's a present day layer where if we help them understand these layers of history, then they'll be more well connected to the present modern day layer. So it will help them become better caretakers of Oakland and the wider East Bay and Bay Area altogether. Doesn't that sound exciting? Let's learn more. We went on different field trips, talked to lots of different people, including real historians, and we did lots of research. And you're going to be hearing a lot about that, plus what we learned in this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. Our teachers wanted us to have a good look of the Bay Area, so we started studying topography. Topography is the study of... The earth shaped on the surface. We went to a local hilltop so we could look over and see the entire Bay Area. It was really windy. We are at Claremont Canyon Trail. Thousands of years ago, did the bay look just like this? 
So as you plant your feet on this land, we want you to picture what it was like thousands of years ago and start thinking about how it's changed and why it's changed. So we started by a long walk and when we got up there, there was this beautiful view. You could see the ocean and the bay there. You could see all of like Berkeley. You could see the Campanile. You could see all these buildings and it was pretty sunny out. So the sun was kind of on the buildings and you had a nice view of the ocean and the bay. You could see the Golden Gate Bridge, like kind of the Bay Bridge. All right, third graders, put your bags down over here, backpacks down here, right here. Come make a big circle, One please. thing that we did there was we closed our eyes and pictured what would have been there before. Okay, so as you're standing here, first we wanted you to try as hard as you can right now, just to notice what sounds are human-made sounds and which sounds are nature sounds. So why don't you just think right now? You don't need to call them out or talk right now. If you hear a sound, just point to it, but there's no need to talk. All of the human-made noises that we heard, they wouldn't exist. None of this would exist. Look around right now and point to something you think that maybe could have been here thousands of years ago. Don't talk, just point to it. Something you think could have been here thousands of years ago. A million years ago, or like five million, everything was underwater. It was covered underwater probably 25,000 years ago because the Ohlone came 20 to 10,000 years ago. Okay, back to modern times. We wanted to learn more about the bay and and wanted to see it from a far away point and see like all the, most of the Bay Area in one look. As you look out, everybody turn this way towards the bay now. Everybody face the bay. The bay runs all the way along here. So behind this tree is Berkeley and past that is the bay. And if you look out over this way, you can see the bay, the water of the bay peeking out over there like past Leo and Luna out over there. You can see the water peeking out. And then if you look all the way this way where I'm pointing, you can follow the bay. It comes here under whatever this bridge is. We'll talk about that later. And then it goes all the way down here. So the San Francisco Bay runs all the way this way. So we got to see a good view on the hike of where the hills were. It was a good thing to know where the ocean was where the bay was, where the ocean and bay met. It's been here for a long time. We're gonna learn over the next few months all about the bay, the resources, all the topography of the bay and the history of the bay. But for today, we just want you to just kind of appreciate and see where we live and locate yourself here in the Claremont Canyon Reserve, looking out over the bay. You're gonna get a scavenger hunt soon that you and whoever you came with in your car are gonna to complete together. Okay, on the count of three, one, two, three. The next day or two, we were making maps out of dough. They were called topography maps. 
And since we had seen all those hills and valleys, we knew where to put the hills and where to put the valleys. So we did cardboard and covered them in doughs. We shaped like mountains out of them. So I think the field trip to help us like see where the mountains were and just visualize um, the bay in a better way. The maps were like history of where the hills and mountains and flatland and bay and ocean were. And then you kind of go to other kind types of history. And so it's definitely related in some way. After learning about topography and the more general geography of the Bay Area, we started to focus in on specific locations in Oakland and the surrounding area. There were so many places in the Bay Area or in Oakland that we could research and it was hard to choose. So the teachers helped us choose our final groups. Hi, my name is Romeo. I am the assistant teacher for the third grade classes here at Park Day. We chose the locations that we've been studying because they each have a really rich layered history that can be communicated through a lot of different types of documentation, oral history, written history, newspapers, documentary, um, more unofficial historical records. And they all also have like a very clear and distinct connection to the history of, of the Ohlone people on this land. Um, So, like, each location has a different relationship to the Ohlone, which we thought was really important to highlight. The locations we researched were Lake Merritt, Mosswood Park, Studio One Art Center, Park Day's campus, Idora Park, and we included Bay Street Mall in Emeryville as well. After choosing our locations, it was time to do some research. One of the the first things we did was learn about the history of our school's campus by listening to a podcast that last year's third graders made about the historical markers on Park Day campus. If you haven't heard it already, give it a listen today. You can find it on the If You Knew Me Mondays archive. Here's a little snippet of it now. Have you ever noticed that on our Park Day School campus, we have historical artifacts, markers, and relics all over the place? Well, on today's episode, our third grade podcast team will be taking you along with us as we uncover historical facts and other fun stories behind some of these historical features. Get ready to learn some new and surprising facts about our campus directly from some of our primary campus caretakers. Let's get started! Toward the end of the episode, they mentioned the Oakland History Room in the main public library. We decided the Oakland History Room was the perfect place to start our research. You know what that means? My name is Lucy, and I'm in third grade, Devin's class. My name is Joey, and I'm also in Devin's class and in third grade. We're in the Oakland Library right now. Shh. There's a lot of books. We are doing the study of Oakland and its past, so we came here to see what it's about. And going to the history room will be a lot of fun. In the history room, we learn about the history of Oakland and some of the history at our school. 
They have a lot of old things like papers, letters, pictures. Let's go there now. Hi, everyone. My name's Erin, and this is my colleague, Emily. And that's our colleague, Anita, at the desk. So we're all going to help you out with your history projects. You're, you're working on some history projects, is that right? Yeah. Very cool. So you're familiar with this building. Well, this is the local history collection. So we have books about the history of Oakland, the history of the East Bay. We also have maps, photos, newspapers, uh, papers that people wrote on topics that they're really passionate about. So what are some of the topics you all are going to be writing about? Mm -hmm. um, some of the history of Oakland mm -hmm. and some of the things is like Mosswood Park. Ooh, very cool. We're also learning about Lake Merritt. Uh, you guys are all over the place and that sounds really interesting. A couple things about the History Center. Um, so besides the books and photos and newspapers and maps, something important to know about this room is that the books all stay here in this room. And so when people come here, they read the books while they're here in the room. So that's called a reference book. So they can't get checked out, but a lot of the books we have other copies of. So if you see something here today that you wish you could take home, just let us know and we'll try to find a copy for you to take home, okay? How many books are there in the library, uh, the history room? Do you know? Well, so this room is just one part. They've got all the books in here, and then we have a secret storage area inside this building. Uh, everything put together, we have 15,000 books. It's like 15,085. Wow. Wow. Something like that. So what we're going to do today, we're going to look at a couple of photos that we put up on this cabinet over here that have to do with your research topics. And then we're going to split up into two groups where half of you will come with me to the map room and we'll look at some old maps. And then we'll do a switch, so then the other group gets to go in. Uh, there was a lot of books, like big books, in the map room. We got to see map books. Or the oldest map book that was there was from 1862. So if you guys can clear a space, I'm gonna move this giant book right over here, and it's really heavy, so watch out. Whoa! Okay. Now, if everybody wants to move their clipboards for a sec, I'm going to push this all the way over. Okay. How old do you think this book is? Like 200 years. It says it here, 1903. So this is called a Sanborn map, and this is something that fire insurance companies would do. They would go around and look at everybody's property and record all the details. They're very old, and they're very special. This is the only book with this image in it. And we saw a really cool part of the books, how there was like patches um, whenever something got changed. But if you put like a light under the books and where the patches are, you can see what was originally there. This, this version with these pasted on uh, corrections 
and um, fixes that somebody came in and they, they pasted it on top whenever they changed a building they would come in and uh, update it so this version there are there are other fire insurance company books out there other maps like this but this specific one is special and so we want to make sure that it stays the same every single time somebody uses it so that everyone gets a fair chance to see what all the information that's in it yeah, that's like a fabric in it. Exactly, that's linen. So what they would do is they would paste the paper on top of linen, which is really strong, they still do to that? make it stronger. Uh. They still do that? No, I don't think they do. The reason you can tell it's so old is, like, this has, like, leather for the markers. So this just shows how old this book is. Mm -hmm. And look, all these things are, like, tearing off. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. look at this one, like, one... One touch and it breaks. Yeah, I bet if you pulled them now, then it would, on the on the bottom, it would just rip off. Well, let's not find out. Great idea. Okay, so this is what we call a key map. This is the guide that How tells us what page book? to go to. So we're going to skip ahead to Adora Park. Let's see what the map looks like from 1911. Wow, that's really cool that while we're talking about layers of Oakland history, we can actually see physical examples of these layers documented in the Sanborn maps. Of course, these maps are only for one place in Oakland. Yeah, and they're only one perspective. If you talk to other people, they will probably have a different experience to share. I'm really glad we went to the Oakland History Room. There's just so much history documented there. And from a lot of different perspectives. If there's one thing this visit taught us, it's that there's a lot more Oakland history than we, we originally thought. And there was a lot of deep backstory when you take the time to learn about it. Oakland is an extraordinary place. This trip was inspiring and really got us ready for researching our list of Oakland landmarks and locations. But before all that, we met with a local historian, Liam O'Donoghue. He's a producer of the East Bay Yesterday podcast. He talked all about how we started this well-loved Oakland history podcast and about how to develop our research into a good story. Here's a little snippet of Liam now. A lot of people think history is just, you know, Albert Einstein or Abraham Lincoln or reading about these famous people who existed a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. But history happens every day, right? And I think one of the important things about history is that anybody can collect it. Anybody can store history. You can all be storytellers. When I was your age, all four of my grandparents were alive, and I love to hear stories from them. And when I started doing a podcast, I realized I don't just have to talk to you know famous people or politicians or musicians. I can interview my own grandma. And that was one of my favorite stories that I ever did, interviewing my own grandma about her life story. So that's just one example of how when we're talking about history, it's not just things that happened a long time ago or far away things that happen in your lives, right? That's history too, things that happen to your parents and grandparents. Hey, that's a great idea.
If you really want to know about your own family's history, you should talk to your own grandparents and families, just like Liam. So that's one of the reasons why I decided to start doing East Bay yesterday, because I love Oakland. I used to walk around Lake Merritt and just think, what's, this, what's the story behind this place? How did Oakland get to be like this? And I realized, yeah, I can read books and I can you know, watch documentaries, but you know what else I can do? I can talk to people, I can interview people. And another reason why I wanted to do East by Yesterday is not only because I was curious about Oakland, but you know what? Oakland is always changing. So this picture right here, I took this picture about five years ago, and this picture to me represented some of the changes that were happening in Oakland. Because you can see there's a mural back there with some beautiful people, some people who are artists, and musicians in Oakland. Liam's talking about the Alice Street mural. If you want to see the picture, trust me, you really do. It's amazing. Press pause now and head over to this episode's Padlet. There's so much history and culture captured in this one mural, and there's even a documentary about it called Alice Street. We included a link to it on the palette as well. Can anyone tell what's happening to the mural? Yeah, they were, they were covering up the mural with the new building so you wouldn't be able to see it anymore. Now, even though that building is still there, you can't see it, so it's basically gone. It's basically demolished. And so seeing that change, it made me sad, but it also made me realize we've got to save this history before it gets lost, right? Because when people move away or they pass away, their stories might be gone if we don't save them, right? So that's why it's important when we're doing our history projects to talk to people, right, and get their stories. Liam's right. That's another good reminder to ask questions, interview family, and take photos because you never know how long things last. So I wanted to share with you some tips about how to, you know, tell the stories that you're going to be gathering because... It's hard to just sit down with someone and say, tell me your life story, right? What are they gonna say? I mean, it's an overwhelming question, right? And so there are ways to kind of get stories out of people, and then once you get those stories, how to present them in a way, right? Because you guys were in podcast club, you might sit down and interview someone for two hours, but how long is your podcast gonna be? How long, how long is a podcast going to be that you're going to be making? Minutes. Like 45 minutes? Yeah. So you've got to shape it, right? You've got to take little clips and put it together in a way that, that makes sense. So I'm going to go over how to talk to people and then how to put the stories together in a way that's going to make it interesting for other people to learn about. So I wanted to start with this guy right here. And you know what his name is? It's Raven. I met him in West Oakland where he's lived for a long time. Do you guys remember what happened in 1989? Big earthquake. Big earthquake. Um, and it was really scary. It was really scary. Raven lived right by the highway that fell down. He went out and he was helping to save people. When people were trapped in their cars or they got injured, they needed to be rescued. And so the fire department came and they brought their ladders, but it wasn't just the fire department that helped save people. It was people who lived in the neighborhood in West Oakland that went out of their houses. And they were heroes. They saved people's lives and brought them to the hospital. And a lot of people lived that day because of really brave people like Raven who went out and saved them. And so when I talked to Raven, I sat down with him 
and we talked two times for five hours. And the episode that I made about that was only about a half an hour long. So I had to decide, how do I tell this whole conversation in just about a half hour? And here's the important part of this lesson. You've got to think about, when you're telling a story, who, what, when, where, why, and how. So I want to, I want to do a little exercise with you now with Raven's story, and we can talk about the who, what, when, where, why of this story. And that's not the only tip that he showed us. He also showed us that interviewing people with pictures helps to jog their memory. So then after I do some research, I talked about finding sources, right? And so when you're finding sources for a place like Mosswood Park, there's a lot of stories about Mosswood Park, right? Because it's been around for a long time. And you can tell all kinds of stories about Mosswood Park. And I know one story about Mosswood Park that's pretty cool. So a long time ago, there was a guy named Hook Mitchell. And he was famous for being one of the best basketball players in Oakland. And so when they would have these big tournaments at Mosswood Park, he would show off because he was the best slam dunker in Oakland. And they would say, how good are you? And he'll be like, I'll show you how good I am. Pull up a car under the basketball hoop. I'm going to jump over the car and slam dunk and everyone will be like ah and lose their minds and that's what this picture is showing so this is one example of a thing that used to happen in Mosso Park that you could do a story about what do you think is some other stuff that happened in Mosso Park that maybe you could do a story about Liam shared so much during his visit that was just a small slice because like he shared we had to figure out what parts to keep and what parts to edit out one inspiring thing that Liam mentioned was that everyone has a historical perspective to share. It doesn't matter if you're famous and powerful or not. The history of a place is a collection of everyone's experience. With that reminder and that cool story about Hook Mitchell slam dunking over a car at Mosswood Park, we headed to Mosswood Park ourselves to meet up with a lifelong North Oakland native who grew up playing there and who still spends time at Mosswood Park today. Meet Dania Cabello. I'm Dania Cabello. I'm a lifetime community member here of Mosswood Park. I was born and raised just down the street in Berkeley off Telegraph Avenue and I've lived in a 20 block radius my whole life and Mosswood Park is a is a very special and sacred place to me where I've experienced a lot of joy made a lot of meaning in my life and it is now in, in recent years become a centerpiece of history where I learned to further understand and critique and be in relation to the land around me and my community. We didn't read about her at the Oakland History Room, but she sure does hold a lot of Oakland history and has a lot to share about her beloved Mosswood Park. This has also become a place where I do a lot of thinking, a place where I do a lot of reflecting, and it's a place whose history I have spent a lot of time exploring and learning about. And I don't know all the history, but um, Mosswood Park is a very, very special and sacred place for me and my community. Daniel reminds us of how over time, different generations make meaning of space in different ways. Land is always indigenous to itself. 
so it is, it's always been a place, right? Um, and then people start to name places and through naming it and using it, we give it meaning. And one of the meanings that we make of this now is that it's a park. How do we know that this is a park? Because it's called Mosswood Park. Well, because it's, so somebody named, named it, it Mosswood Park. It and then there's a playground and there's trees. <coughs> okay, so then there's structures that get put on top of it. And so these structures get built that help us as people make meaning of what is here. And over time, the way we use it and interact with it is also ways that we make meaning. So when I drive by at night and I see people playing on the basketball courts, sometimes they're playing basketball, sometimes they're playing soccer, sometimes they're rollerblading. And so through their physical movement, what they're doing with their bodies on this land helps make meaning. This is a place where we play. This is a place where we can move relatively freely. This is a place where people might high five and cheer each other on and take a break on the bench and meet up for coffee with a friend and just sit under the trees. And so this is one of the places where I've also made a lot of meaning in my life. What was different about the park when you were a kid than what it looks like now? Mostly, it looked pretty similar. However, when I was growing up, there weren't tent encampments at this park. I used to have soccer practice here in the winter. And as you know, it gets dark at around five o'clock, right? Yeah. And when I was growing up, there were no lights. Parents used to park their cars facing the field and keep their lights on so that we could have soccer practice here at Mosswood. After dark. After dark. She also mentioned some of the history we did read about in the Oakland History Center, like the Mosswood Art Institute. And did you know that when the Mosswood Rec Center was first built, the one that, that you recall was burnt down, prior to just simply being a recreation center, it was home for one of Oakland's first and pretty prestigious art institutes. The, oh, yeah, the Mosswood yeah. Art Institute. That for many years of it being in existence, um, it was a segregated art school. This was a prestigious art school that only white people were welcome to using. Like if you look around right now, we see who's here, we see a mix of all of our neighbors that is pretty reflective of who lives in Oakland. But there was a time, even in the 40s, 50s, where this park was not necessarily welcoming for all people. And we have an elder in the neighborhood, somebody who still frequents this park quite a bit, named Mr. Calvin Gray. Calvin Gray was a student at Oakland Tech. He is an artist. And Mr. Calvin Gray ended up becoming not only the first young black man to be a student at Mosswood Art Institute, but he then later became the first black art teacher allowed to teach and give classes at the Art Institute. Oh, that's cool. And every now and then, if you're ever passing by the park or here playing and you see a gentleman wearing a brown beret cap sitting on one of these benches here, it may be Mr. Calvin Gray. He sounds amazing. We'll have to keep our eyes open for Mr. Calvin Gray. 
During our visit, we walked over to the old Mosswood house that's currently boarded up and abandoned. It's one of two remaining buildings at the park and right beside the construction site where they are rebuilding the new center. So it was very important to the Moss family that they build everything using the finest materials of the time. So the inside of the house had marble, it had some of the finest redwood, it had gold accents. And what happened over time as the house was abandoned, a lot of the kind of more valuable materials that were constructed with in the inside have been Stole. stolen and taken out um, by people who, who felt they needed to do that. We talked about a lot more than just architecture. This house was made with a lot of care um, by people who cared deeply about where they lived and the people that they called their community. So one of the things that I think about when I, when I think about community is who do we consider our community? Because I imagine in, in my interest in looking at the history is not just because I think it's amazing that the Moss family left this in their legacy, but also, if, as Kieran said, if this was indigenous land before, and then it became privately owned, well, where were the indigenous people? Did the indigenous people of this land, who were still alive at that time, were they able to play tennis here? No. There's something that I like to point out about public spaces, you all, especially parks, because for me, parks are some of the most sacred places that I've experienced, which is even when something is beautiful and sacred, it can still be exclusive and exclude people. And that is what I call contradiction. And that can exist even right here, right now. Mosswood is technically a public park, correct? but there's still something about it that holds a lot of contradiction. Some of us can come here with our bicycles and play basketball and feel very free. Some people are living unhoused in encampments, possibly not by choice. So while I can come here and experience freedom, somebody who lives here might not feel the freedom that I feel. At the same time, on the same day, at the same moment. And that's why these public spaces are powerful and hold what I call contradiction, this tension. It's not all pretty and lovely and, oh, the Moss family and the Moras, and I know how much money they spent and all these facts. Yeah, that's one part of history. But the other part is, for who? For why? How did you make your money? And so, you know, I think it just, it begs us to always walk around our community and ask, who is our community? Who is included in it? What can we do to make our community more accessible and inclusive of all people? Um, should we kind of walk around and go see the, yes. the amphitheater? I want to see the amphitheater. Danya gave us a lot to think about. If Mosswood Park has all this cool and complicated history, you can imagine how much history every park has. And neighborhoods. And cities. 
This project has taken us from a windy hilltop overlooking the bay to deep inside the history room at the library. We've had a blast zooming out and zooming in to learn more about the history of Oakland. We went on field trips to each of the places we studied to conduct research. But we only have time to focus on one of them today. That's Mosswood Park. We even made books about the places we studied. You can see pictures of those books on the Padlet as well. If you want to see pictures from our other field trips or the topography maps or any of the amazing people we met during this project, go check out this episode's Padlet. Lucky for you, listener, you can visit many of these places on your own. If you like history as much as we do, make sure to visit the Oakland History Room at the main branch of the Oakland Public Library. And tell Aaron hello for us. You can also check out East Bay Yesterday's podcast to take more deep dives into the rich history of Oakland. There are so many cool episodes and topics. Okay, listener, that just about does it. The next time you're driving around town, keep an eye out for these special places and landmarks that we shared with you in this episode. Imagine what these places used to look like and imagine what they might look like in the future. We'd like to thank all the people who helped make this episode. Aaron, Liam, and Donia, we had such a great time meeting you and learning from you. And last but not least, thank you, listener, for joining us on our trip throughout Oakland history. If you haven't already, don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast and let us know what you think on this episode's panelette. Once again, we're your hosts... Oliver, Lincoln, Kieran, Luna, Joey, Stephen, Oz, Soel, Ayla, Levi, Phoenix, and Lucy. And that does it for this episode of If You Knew Me Mondays.